0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find
1: travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: You're listening to the 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang.
1: All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of the 30. A huge win for a short philly 76 er squad it was a great game the obviously the anticipation of ben simmons being back we're going to give you all the details on that final score in this one 115 106 before we jump into it don't forget subscribe to liberty ballers podcast network you can catch us on apple podcast spotify you name it we are there and of course check us out at libertyballers.com joining me for the post game edition of the show mr jackson frank jackson what a win how did you feel watching this game? And what what were your thoughts initially coming in? Knowing that no Joel Embiid, no Tyrese Maxey, no James Harden. Did you actually think they would have a chance at pulling this off?
0: Uh tough thing for me to you know say that I thought they would have a chance. Um, you know, Brooklyn been playing better. I know they've been playing some some dinged-up teams, but uh, you know, Ben Simmons' been playing better, KD had been KD. Kyrie hadn't been himself, but there have been some role players who've been stepping up, including some like Seth Curry, who Sixers fans are obviously familiar with. So uh, I had a tough teams, you know. So the tough time seeing the Sixers down uh, three starters and one of and another fourth one, and Tobias Harris has come back from uh, his own his own short ailment. Uh, win this game, but uh, a lot of guys stepped up. I'm sure we'll talk about it more in depth. But yeah, I, I did not foresee them winning this game, especially in this in the manner that you know Brooklyn waved the white flag the final three and a half minutes there.
1: Yeah, Paul and I were were talking before the game. He was at the arena just to g- give a quick preview. And we were like, okay, Vegas oddsmakers had this game. I think the line settled at at seven and a half for Brooklyn. And we were like, hey, you know, let's just try and keep it competitive. We knew the fans were going to give it to Ben Simmons. And we'll jump into kind of deeper into his game. He finished with 11 points, 11 assists, seven rebounds. Uh, Didn't do anything in the fourth quarter, though, uh, which really is when the Sixers kind of were able to put the game away. But you mentioned guys who stepped up. Tobias Harris, he had an injury scare in the third quarter, ended up coming back. He finished with 24.6 rebounds. You look at the game that DeAnthony Melton had, who just looking better and better and more comfortable with the Sixers, he had 22 points. Uh, Shake Milton looked good coming off the bench. Paul Reed 19 points, 10 rebounds. When you look at how the Sixers were able to step up, obviously missing their three best players, um, do you how much credit of that do you give to Doc Rivers? Because you look back, Jackson, at that stretch last season, I, I don't know if you remember. I think it was in November too that they had no Embiid, right? They they had uh, injuries. I think Maxi was out for a while. And they weren't. They didn't have any of their stars, but we saw how good the team played. So when you look at the coaching, and, and I give a lot of grief to Doc Rivers, I think a lot of most people who cover the Sixers and fans of the team do as well, but got to give him some credit for the way he had his guys ready for this one.
0: Yeah, I, I thought he coached a good game. Uh, I thought one of the things that he and the coaching staff all season have done really well is be flexible defensively. Uh, there's a reason they're roughly a top five defense, despite some inconsistent uh, playing just absences and whatnot. Uh, and, you know, we know Embiid's generally been pretty good defensive this year, but had a bit of a slow start the first few games. So uh, I think they did that well. Again, the decision to predominantly play Paul Reed over Montrose Harrell, obviously I know is one that fans have been clamoring for for a long time, but uh, he went with it significantly. Paul Reed was having a tremendous game. Uh, it makes it easier when, when Reed does play like that offensively. Uh, I think I tweeted it out, but he had 10 points coming into the year. He had 19 on his own uh, in this one, so uh, I'm someone who thinks Paul Reed should get the majority of the backup five minutes when Bead's healthy, but I can understand maybe why there's a little bit of hesitation given his his limitations as, as a finisher and roller and the lack of floor spacing. But point being, I thought Doc did a good job. But um, generally speaking, I just I just think it it was a, it was a really good effort by by the players. Um, you know, Melton had the had that off triple jumper going that you know kind of hot and cold, but he was he was on fire in this one. Yang. Um, did some really good stuff. You can see kind of the value that shake brings as a mid range scorer off the bounce, uh, Tobias really stepped up after coming back from that injury. So, um, just a, just an impressive all around effort. And, uh, it just felt like, you know, after the first few minutes when they couldn't really get any stops, they really, really settled in and, you know, Brooklyn missed a lot of open looks from three, but, uh, I still think generally speaking, the defensive execution for such a shorthanded rotation, Uh, against a team with that much firepower uh, was quite commendable
1: yeah doc basically went with with eight guys with niang uh, korkmaz who returned to the lineup in this one he had some moments as well finished with nine points and paul reed coming off the bench but also it it does help jackson that the brooklyn nets stink on defense you know what i mean because i mean you look at what the sixers are able to do obviously shooting 16 to 32 from deep that was a big reason why they were able to hang on. And, and i saw your tweet about this as well that Brooklyn actually had a better effective field goal percentage but the fact that the Sixers were able to get 20 offensive <laughs> rebounds in this one uh another big reason why they were able to win they won the turnover battle everything went so right in this game and and you look at how it's been Jackson throughout the season you know of course the team now is sitting at 9 and 8 but going through the the struggles of of the injuries losing Harden and Embiid and Maxi, not being able to to get on the same page you know that ugly loss to the Spurs early on in the schedule. And, and this was a moment, I think that was needed for the team, right? You you look at the fact that just been negativity, negativity all the way around it. And then finally you get something like this happen in, in Ben's return. Um, looking at, at, at what the players did, you mentioned, um, you know, we talk about Tobias Harris, the Anthony Melton. When you, when you look at Toby, why do you think he was able to be so successful in, in this game? Uh, given what his limitations are as an offensive player, but we saw him obviously settle into. He's the number one guy on offense, maybe one A, depending on where you view DeAnthony De Melton. But why do you think Tobias Harris w- was so good in this one?
0: Yeah, he, he mentioned it uh, on his post game interview with Stephanie News Newsstand, kind of why he found his his rhythm after the uh, after coming back from injury, and he kind of just said that, like he said, he meditated a little bit, in the lo- like in the in the tunnel of the locker room, and. Kind of got himself collected because he said this was his first game, was the first option all season, Uh, and you could just tell it seemed like there was a little different approach. He was a little more aggressive, finding the switches he wanted. Brooklyn runs a basically a switch all scheme, switch heavy is probably the, the best phrase for it, and um was picking on Joe Harris a lot. It was not; it was a banner. It was a good day for one one Harris in this matchup. It was not a good day for the other Harris, Uh, and just kind of was able to get to his spots that five to six foot range um super physical i think that's something that you know he had a couple of nice plays i think he drew a nice foul against Ben at one point so um just like he gives him total control of getting to his spots and um they sent help and he had a couple of nice passing reads as well i think shake milton had a three to kind of stem the tide at one point maybe early in the fourth late in the third um when brooklyn, when brooklyn was looking like it might take control so uh it just seemed like Tobias had a better understanding of where he wanted to go and how he wanted to get his shots as a first option after coming back from that, that, that ankle scare uh, rather than beforehand, because I can, I can imagine maybe that, you know, like he mentioned that it's just, he doesn't know exactly like, am I getting everyone involved? or I just do my thing as a score? Like how am I supposed to kind of operate as, you know, the, the guy. And it seemed like he just had decided I'm going to go get my own and, you know, the the rest of everything else will, will fall where it may and uh, we'll, we'll make it work from there. So uh, it just, he was just kind of playing that bully ball a lot in, you know, in the fourth quarter, especially.
1: Yeah. He was able to take advantage of his size, whether it was Joe Harris and he got a couple of switches a few times there, even with Kyrie on him or Royce O'Neal that he was able to back him down and, and just get a, a really an easy turnaround jumper and, and a good look from there. Uh, one more question for you, Jackson, about Tobias. When you look at the fact, yeah, he's basically the number four option, right? When, when, when Embiid, Harden, Maxi are in the lineup. Is there a way you think he can be utilized, again, not going to probably get 21 shots in, in most games uh, that he plays with, with a full set of players, but uh, do you think there's a way now that they can look at this game and be like, hey, maybe we can put Tobias in more situations to be successful in the offensive end? Or do you think just the, what he's best at, which I think is taking advantage of his size against smaller guys who are guarding him, do you think that that kind of will stymie the Sixers offense the way they like to run things when they have their big three in the lineup?
0: Yeah, I think I think it's interesting, you know, just because they, the you know, Embiid's the guy that's going to get those mid-post touches, and then you know they're going to run maybe a little more even even more pick and roll centric offense when Harden's out there. You know, if they stagger, you know, uh, Embiid and Harden, um, but yeah, I, th- I think and you know, I think Harris has been solid on the year. Um, you know, I don't think he was as, I don't think he's been as good as he was to close last the last couple of months into the playoffs. But uh, I do think you could still kind of explore those mismatches a little more in in the in the mid post, um, that's clearly a space he likes to operate. Uh, he's doing so much stuff as a guy working above the break, working the corners, taking a lot of threes, the highest three point rate of his career. Um, you know, he's shooting about almost 40% from three right now. So, um, it doesn't feel like he has a great sense of what he wants to do inside the arc when he's not taking those threes. And so I do wonder if maybe you could try and kind of get a couple of more plays like that for him where he's, 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 Posting up smaller guys in that area, using his touch, using his physicality, about 13 feet in and in. So um we'll see. It'll be interesting to kind of know what the offense looks like coming back before Harden's injury. They were, I think, fifth in offensive rating. Obviously, they've they flip-flop their identity, uh, playing more defensively inclined guys and you know, playing fewer offensively inclined guys, you missing the, the playing of Harden and whatnot. So kind of interesting where they settle in and by maybe January or February. Um, but but for now, I I just think you're going to see a lot of this from Tobias while guys are out. But I do think it might at least be worth exploring a little bit if there's to see if there's at least space for a couple of those plays, a few of those touches every more every now and then for Tobias when everyone else is healthy. So
1: yeah, maybe people won't complain about his contract as much, right, Jackson? <laughs> because I mean, they might be able to get rid of him um next year. But he looks like I mean, unless the team gets desperate, and the Sixers obviously can't even trade first round picks. I believe to so what twenty twenty seven and twenty twenty nine. So. um going to be tough to get rid of him. And, again, you got a really good Tobias Harris out there. He works hard on defense. Uh, If he was a $20 million-a-year guy, people would love him, but he's not. So, again, earned his money definitely with his performance tonight in terms of playing up to the standard that people have with him. A couple more questions with you uh, for you, Jackson, about the Sixers before we get into some Ben Simmons talk. Um, George Niang, that was fun to see him going back and forth with KD. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, we know who the better player is there, but those two going at it having some fun on the court. I miss watching that kind of stuff on, uh, on the the NBA floor. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that was fun. And KD was embracing it. I thought that was cool. And I think, you know, just you know, as, an, as an on on, on the court, uh, you're going to need more of that from the Yang. You know, he didn't shoot well inside the arc, but you got 16 points from him on 11 shots. You're going to need him to be able to, you know, turn 11 or 12 shots into 14, 16, 17 points. Obviously, he's not going to go four or five from three every game, but uh, the ability for him to kind of, Maintain good efficiency while scaling up his volume. I think it's going to be important for as long as Harden, Maxi, and Embiid are. Out. I think generally just as long as Embiid's out, we've seen that uh, you know <laughs> Embiid is uh, is capable of monstering quite the load. Um, but I think even you know even when Maxi's out and you, you're even when Harden until you know Harden comes back, you're going to want to see that as well. So uh, the trash talking was fun. It's been really cool seeing the embrace that. Uh, and you know, for all we can know, it doesn't seem like it goes over the line with it. Um, but just yeah, you know the him playing well and Katie embracing it and I'm not another guy. It seemed like they were getting bothered by the other. So yeah, that was, that was definitely a really, really enjoyable part of it. And it came during a game that the game played quite well. And he's generally been really, really good this year in his role.
1: Yeah. And you look at him, I mean, such good value with this contract, right? R- roughly at $3.4 million. I mean, tough to beat that in terms of what he brings uh, at that price and, and gives the Sixers flexibility with, with the rest of the roster. Uh, De'Anthony Melton, another guy I want to talk about with you. I uh, missed a couple of games with injury a couple of weeks back, but starting to find his footing now, right? Uh, Shooting over 40% for the season from the three-point line, had a couple of big uh, offensive games the last couple of times out, 19 against many, almost had that, you know, that crazy sequence there where he had the steal, uh, couldn't finish it to put the Sixers back up in a, in a, in a crazy comeback. Uh, 22 tonight. Is he as good as advertised or is is he reaching the level that you expected of him when the Sixers picked him up in that trade?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, They just, especially tonight, you know, like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, like they need him to be able to hit those shots off the dribble? They don't really need that when everyone's healthy, but they need him to hit some of those pull-up threes uh, that he did in this one. Obviously he went one of five inside the arc, but that doesn't really matter when you go six, 11 from beyond the arc. So, uh, you know, he's been, he had three more steals tonight, had a really fun block late, even though the game had kind of been decided, Uh, had the steal that basically forced Brooklyn to, uh, wave the white flag there. Uh, that was a great play from Tucker Harris and Melton to make that happen. Obviously, Shake following it up on the putback. So, uh, yeah, he he's been tremendous. And you know, I don't, you know, we're not going to expect him to go six, eleven from three every game. But if he can hover, you know, and if he can take that many threes and hit, you know, four of them on average most nights, maybe five on some nights, uh, you're going to be in a pretty good spot. And you know, a couple of nice passes as well, um, just making stuff happen as a defender too, on and off the ball. So. Uh yeah the 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 fact that you can have you know like I I don't know if we can I don't know if you can have Shake play this well every every night yeah uh, in a 36 minute role but Shake's been obviously deserves his own credit the last three or four games really finding his footing but the fact that you can pretty pretty much feel confident that Melton can play starters minutes played 32 minutes in this one uh and give you that starting level impact is huge because he's a you're your sixth man you know when everyone's healthy so uh yeah he, he's been great and I think he's been about everything you expected I was a huge fan of the the acquisition over the summer, um, and it's kind of basically been exactly what you need. And uh, they've, they've he's even gone above and beyond, I think, with all the you know the absences to guys like Harden and Max, who've missed some time already. Embiid's missed time, so uh, Tobias has missed time. So uh, yeah, he, he's been tremendous. And he and he and Milton really, I've f- been you know have formed a nice little bench backcourt duo who fills in and to play spot starter minutes occasionally.
1: You know what's funny, Jackson? The, 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 the you know we're talking about Melton and Milton, how good they were, and, and a guy that was you know the person that I think everybody looked at as the big acquisition, which is PJ Tucker, who weirdly has not scored a point in four games. Okay, that's a, a, he's played 132 minutes, has not had a single point in those four games, but pretty damn good defense on KD tonight. So you look at at, at him um, not getting the, the shots I think he normally gets in terms of being open in the corner. That'll change when, when James Harden's back. Uh, just with the flow of the offense, but like, where do you sit at with him? Because it's weird. Normally, you'd be you'd be killing a guy who hasn't scored a point in four games, but then you're kind of like, well, this is PJ Tucker, and this is what he does.
0: Yeah, obviously, you know, four straight scoreless games is not something that, uh, you know, that, or that that is something that you know warrants some criticism. I, I do think it's important also to realize the context that he's struggled to get volume ever since, uh, you know, ever since Harden went out in November. You know, that first game was November fourth that Harden missed, so. Uh, if you want to criticize, kind of just the fact that he need, he his he can't really get shots without Harden on the floor, then so be it. Um, but I think you have to look at the context there. Right, that Harden is by far the best get passer. He's a guy that get he's the best dribble drive guy who can kind of give him those kick out passes too. Um, he's a guy that can draw double teams so Harden or so Tucker can get those short roll opportunities. Um, and he was always going to take fewer shots going from you know a democratic offense like the Heat to one that's a little more hierarchical. Uh, I don't know if I pronounced that word correctly, but you know what I mean, that, you know, Maxi and Embiid and Mm -hmm. and Harden are the one dominating most of the shots and the playmaking opportunities. So, uh, yeah, I get criticizing him, you know, 0 of 9 over the last four games, 0 points is not something you want to see. And he definitely missed some pretty makeable shots today. Um, But I I think his defense has been really phenomenal as of late, at least over the last week, especially, you know, given Lowry and some issues last Sunday. You know, I thought Giannis got the best of him a little bit in the first half, but then he did some awesome stuff on Friday. Um you know, him kind of being the primary guy with him being roaming and kind of making things tough and forcing Giannis into shots away from the rim. Uh, I thought he did some good stuff against Carlton Towns on on Saturday as well. And then uh, you know, I think KD wasn't super aggressive in the fourth quarter, but I think that was also in part because Tucker was so good about limiting his volume the first three quarters. You know, I think he had two steals on KD, one on Kyrie, bothered a couple of Kyrie or bothered a couple of KD shots, which is really impressive to do. Not a ton of guys can do that. Um so yeah, I think the defense has been really good, and I, I really do expect him to be generally okay offensively whenever Harden comes back. And again, it's it's fine to criticize if you're like they paid this guy that much, who's so reliant on one player to to be a, a okay offensive contributor. But mm-hmm. uh, I do think the defense has been awesome, and he really and he communicates a lot too off the ball. I think that's an important thing as well, um, especially with Embiid out. Embiid's often the guy that's kind of spearheading that stuff, and. I think Tucker, even dating back to preseason, pre-season has been good at that. So, um, totally fine with being frustrated by lack of scoring. But I do think we can't overlook that he's done a lot of good stuff for them defensively, and you know, both on and off the ball in a variety of ways. And that was no more evident than you know this win on on Tuesday, where he was giving both Kyrie and KD some issues at times.
1: Yeah, held KD to just twenty points at, at nine to fourteen, and then Kyrie had a nice little stretch during in the fourth quarter, where it looked like, oh shoot, you know, he's going to get going, but. Uh, still an impressive performance from him. And he paid P.J. Tucker for what he's going to do for you in April, May, and, and hopefully June, not not for what he's doing for you in November. Uh, Jackson, let's take a quick break here. I want to jump into the Ben Simmons, his game, his return, uh, the emotions of it all. We'll do that coming up in about a minute. All right, we're back. Uh, Jackson, wanted to jump into some talk about Ben Simmons. Like I mentioned off the top, he finished with 11 points, 11 assists, seven rebounds, finding his footing more, right? Like, you know, compared to what he started off like early in the season. But uh, Jacques Bon said after the game, very impressed with how Ben played, how he handled it. Uh, but again, put up zeros in the fourth quarter, which I think Sixers fans are used to. So it's not like it was a, it was a surprise. Um, with him coming back, what did you feel like with with the emotions of it all? Do you feel like because it's been... 9 months since the trade happened uh that maybe things were a little bit less than what was expected although I mean I'm going to mention a few things that happened in this game one he did like a jordan shrug after the, the free throws <laughs> missing hitting two free throws take it easy all right there you know what i mean ben uh gave a shush to the crowd we saw that as well um but and, again gave the crowds free chicken nuggets as well because he missed back to back free throws in the in the in the second half but um looking looking at his return uh jackson what what did you make of all this uh, how is it for you? And do you think uh, the city of Philly's never going to really move on? He's going to get booed every time he plays there throughout the rest of his career, however long that goes. But did you feel like the vitriol and everything was was at the level you expected, or do you think it was a little bit tamer than than what you would have uh, thought coming into this one?
0: Yeah, I think no Embiid, no Harden, uh, you know, uh, quelled things a little bit, and then also the fact that even though Ben didn't play when Brooklyn came last March, he was still in the arena, so. Fans still had their opportunity to express some discontent, even if it wasn't throughout the entire game. But uh, I thought it was fun. I thought it was, you know, it was cool to kind of see Ben, you know, go back. If they're going to boo him, he, you know, he's he's going to do the shrug and he's going to do the shushing. I think that's a, a funny thing all around. So, uh, yeah, you know, I. But I think yeah, you saw kind of the the entire Ben Simmons experience, right? That was really good in the first half, especially the, uh, during Brooklyn's hot start. Pushing the ball was good all around. I think getting Brooklyn a lot of transition opportunities had some really nice passes in the half court too to KD. 11 assists, uh, three steals, did some good stuff and you know, applying pressure on the ball, but uh, they tried to play him at the five. That didn't really work. They got killed inside on the glass because of him and Claxton uh, as well. Um, You know, couldn't do anything in, you know, in the second half really offensively as a score, or just as a score, he had some nice passes in the second half still. But, um, and then, yeah, you saw, like I said, so really good perimeter defense, not so much as a big man, uh, pretty good, you know, transition player and first half half court player. Uh, but in the second half when they needed to maybe be a little more uh, of an offensive threat as a scorer, um, he wasn't able to provide that. So, um, you know, four of seven, three of six from the line, not the efficiency that you would look for from Ben, but I think on, on the aggregate this is about kind of who Ben is, I think he's been, I think he's been better the last couple, I think he's better against the, the Grizzlies and the Blazers, but mm-hmm. um, this is still a, a major step up from where he was before he, before he came back from, before he let me miss some time with injuries. So, um, if you're a Nets fan, even though you can probably be discouraged, I'm probably I'm sure you're discouraged with, uh, you know, the team result. But I think you continually see Ben kind of progress back to who he's been for most of his career as his top fifty player and and whatnot. But yeah, clearly the, the flaws that um kind of led to his playoff struggles during his time as a Sixer and you know some of the reasons that that led to the encore departure, some of the encore reasons that led to his departure, uh, were evident too. So uh, we really kind of got the full Ben Simmons experience in, in some ways in this game.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you know, like I mentioned, I, I think people were, and I said this before the game too, I think people are just pleasantly surprised that they were able to beat him and, and the Nets in, in the return um, of, of Ben Simmons coming back to Philly, and you mentioned that as well, like he looks like he's he's finding his footing, I, I think he'll be a lot better come time for, for maybe late December and January after he's played, you know, 25-30 games and, and really uh, getting his conditioning back, getting his feel for the game back, but uh, looking at at this from a, a Sixers perspective, I know it's only a win on November 22nd, but how satisfying is it, Jackson, from from uh, the 76ers angle on this one?
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm sure you know, I'm sure that they well, I think it didn't because like not a lot of these guys played with Ben, the roster's yeah. so different. So, yeah. uh, but but I think like I don't know, Like I, I don't want to speak for any players, but like I'm sure it's a little extra, a little more sweet for Joel, but I think on the whole, it's probably just like like, it's nice for this team to get off on the right foot, at, you know, with three of their starters missing, right? Like, I'm sure that, you know, the guys that don't are maybe content that Ben's gone enjoy it a little more. But, you know, for for the entire team, it's probably like, you know, we're down our three best players. You know, we got a team like in Brooklyn that's got star power, has been playing better. Uh, they come into our home turf and, you know, we, we won, I would say convinced that not, not a blowout, but you know, like I said, the, the game was decided by the final three and a half minutes. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's to, to me, that's more how I read it for this from the secret perspective is that it's like, you know, we don't know how long we're going to be without our three best players. And we play a team that's been playing pretty well. And, you know, we, we, we got it done with our, with, with, we showcased our depth. So uh, yeah, but I, I imagine, you know, maybe we, at least for fans and, you know, maybe the f- the few people left um, that were here during Ben's tenure, um, which is, not very many, right? It's it's Joel, yeah. it's Tobias, it's, it's I guess it's Tyrese and Matisse, Shake Milton,
1: Furcon, Kirk Moss, You know what I mean? Like who else? There's really nobody, nobody else. Yeah, there. I guess
0: Paul Reed as well. I guess maybe it's yeah. a little more than I, you know. uh Yeah, so I guess that's we didn't involve them. We just oh Shake, yeah. Shake, is, Shake is the Shake and Furcon of the second and third longest tenured Sixers, I believe, which is kind yeah. of funny.
1: Yeah,
0: Um but yeah, I, I but I, I don't know. I again, I I would have to know these these players more intimately and their thoughts on the whole Ben situation, but. I think more than anything, it's that it's nice to get a win when your top three players are down and you're playing a team that uh, has been performing better as of late. So, uh, yeah, nice for them to get get things started. And you know, obviously, got a back to back tomorrow, but they're going to play another team in in the Hornets that are also missing some guys, and namely, I don't know, I haven't checked recently, but I would imagine Lamella Ball is still out dealing with that ankle sprain, unfortunately. But um, yeah, now you have a chance to build a little momentum and and start this start this thing off on a two and zero streak. But who knows? What's they got 48 more minutes at least to, to
1: figure that out uh, on Wednesday. Yeah. And then and Joel and B, they're saying, you know, missing two games, but Doc did say before uh, this one that he might miss a week or so or coming back at the same time as Harden and looking at the schedule. If you can go two and one in this stretch, we going to be tough to win a back to back. I think, you know, it's, it's a short trip to Charlotte, but uh, playing them on a back to back when you have to play yeah. your horses 35, 40 minutes in this one. And then you got Orlando, right? Back to back games in, in Florida on Friday and Sunday. So again, maybe getting a split there or go two and one. Uh, people will be feeling pretty good as uh, Joel Embiid, uh, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden start to get back into the fold. Uh, one final question for you, Jackson, about all this. I know, like I said, Ben's first time back, nothing can ever really replace the anticipation going into this one, although I think that was quelled a little bit just with given given with the injuries and stuff, but January 25th, he's back again, and that's a nationally televised game on, on ESPN. Do you still think the emotions will be high, assuming that uh, Joel and, and, and Harden are back for that one?
0: I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it will definitely be a little little higher just because it'll be the first time that all three of those guys have been on the court together um, since the trade. I think some of it will also depend on kind of where each team is at record wise, you know, just on the whole and also just kind of where they've been over the past two or three weeks. Um, But yeah, I I think, you know, with if you have the kind of the Ben's former co-star and then the guy that he was traded for um on the floor, it the, the intensity will be a little little higher, but who knows? It's just it's just such a far ways off in the distance. The Nets feel like a team that you can't foresee anything more than like three days out, uh, given kind of everything that seems to happen with them once a week. But uh yeah, I'd imagine if Chuel and, and Harden are out there and Ben's, you know, still healthy and whatnot, uh and, and playing, you know, pretty well, um, that, you know, the intensity will be higher than it was was today. But I don't know, it didn't, you know, didn't seem just from the from the broadcast, it didn't seem incredibly animated and in this one seemed kind of about what you'd expect uh you know for any any player that maybe an opposing team doesn't like rather than ben simmons who you might, might be the least liked uh player among, among sixers fans these days
1: <laughs> yeah yeah like i said i mean you know going off off the top on this one this has been a uh a long time coming i think people are anticipating this for so long um, And I still think people want to see Joel uh, against Ben and kind of how <laughs> I, will it be icy when they're shaking hands before the game? Will they you know what I mean? Those little things I, I think will be uh, something to keep an eye on. But for the meantime, feel good, win here, Jackson. I think everybody around Philly's uh, celebrating this one and enjoying it uh, again. Only a game in November, but we know what the what the the circumstances were for this one, you know, giving up a a former number one overall pick and how things ended. So, again, an impressive win for the Sixers. Everything went right for them. Uh, So feel good about this. We'll see what happens against Charlotte on Wednesday. But, Jackson, of course, thanks for joining me on this one, and and we're going to do it again soon.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we will. Uh, You know, hopefully we've got uh, at least least one of the, the, the big three back by the next time we're talking a Sixers game.
1: Yeah, for sure. And again, I, uh, I don't, I don't know how many uh, games we're going to get away with being uh, watching a, a really a process era roster that that, that they fielded tonight. Uh, I don't know how many times you're going to get feel good moments without those three in the lineup. But uh, hopefully they'll they'll be back soon. Uh, that'll do it for this one. As I mentioned off the top, don't forget subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We are there, and of course check us out online as well at libertyballers.com.